What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of Uncle Rob's Alien Storytime. Now, this fucking story here is special. I recorded it ages ago, and I feel like this audio needs to live on in the um, in the wake of our strange skies. Back a few months ago, it seemed like alien sex stories were something that just found me. And I decided to cold read this one, and it is pure fucking gold. I will tell you that. It's pure fucking gold. And the listeners of the What If podcast deserve to hear this audio, so... This is for all of you. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying sane. And I love y'all. We're back. We're back here. Uh, for a segment I'm calling Rob Reed's The Alien Sex Stories because I, I'm becoming a magnet for this. I texted Shannon LeGrow of Into the Fray about this. And she th- seems to think it's my thing. Kind of like Mike Clellan's The Isle Guy. I'm the alien boom boom guy now and the reason that uh, i'm doing this is because i bought this issue of flying saucer review it's for an episode that i'm doing down the line about the Broadhaven school incident and like the west wales flap and stuff like that in 77 and in it i find this story of course i did these things find me i don't know how but it's in columbia tagline here says was this another avb type close encounter case in South America. Well, I have not read this. We're going to find out together right now because I think you all deserve that. So here we go. We are indebted to Sir Ignacio Darnalde of Sevilla in Spain. So Ignacio is kind of the, he's, he's got one of the best websites out there. If you want old issues of flying saucer review, he, like every issue of Flying Saucer Review that uh, I've ever read, except for this, is on his website. I can link people to the site that I go to that kind of has it all listed out and stuff. He is indebted for forwarding to the editor a photostat copy of an article which was published with many photographic illustrations in the magazine Vea in Bogota, Colombia. Issue number 270-271 of December 1976. I have translated the article and present the main parts of the text interspersed with the short paraphrased sections with a personal commentary as a conclusion. The story concerns a cowman named Liberato Anibal Quintero employed on a farm near El Banco in the province of Magdalena in the northern part of the South American Republic of Colombia. A cowman who, as he admits, has suffered a decidedly sharp jolt in the even tenor of his tranquil peasant existence. Holy fuck! That is extreme. That is extreme right now, okay? That, holy fuck. Uh, I, I just, uh, we need to read this again. A cowman who, as he admits has suffered a decidedly sharp jolt in the even tenor of his tranquil peasant existence. That is, that's baller right there. That is, that is fantastic. Uh, one evening, the report does not give the date. Liberato arrived home from work. He has a wife and three small children and lives in a house on the estate where he attends a herd of some 40 cattle. 
He walked in, took off his sandals, and threw himself down on the new hammock that his wife, she rejoices in the splendid name of Brunilda. There's like a, in the translation, it's Brunhild. And uh, had recently brought back from a shopping trip in La Guajira. Soon, he was fast asleep and snoring loudly, which, as his wife subsequently told the press, was the first odd thing she noticed about him that night, inasmuch as he normally never snored at all. So we've got some weird snoring. We've got some guy who is uh, cool with the peasant life right now, and, and, his li- and his peasant life has been upset. She lay awake for some time watching him and unable to sleep. Then a thunderstorm broke. With much thunder and lightning, and this woke Liberato up. By then, Brunhild, having given her smallest child his last breastfeed, had dropped off to sleep herself. Liberato felt queer, as though something odd was going to happen to me. So we got some premonition going on here. He felt he absolutely had to get up out of the hammock. He was nervous and sweating, and realized that his own movements and sensations were not quite normal. He crossed himself, recited a paternoster, and dashed out of the house. It was now two years since he had taken this job as cowhand on the farm known as La Vida Tranquila, the tranquil life. I dig that. It's a great name for a farm. Little did he realize that he was in for anything but a tranquil life that night. His own first name, Liberato, or Liberated, is ironical enough, too, for he was about to find himself involved in a scene that might be thought fully up to the standard of what passes for Liberated among the more trendy circles of our times. This article is saucy. It's salty. There's a lot of salt in this recipe right now. Outside, all was normal and quiet. The heavy rain had stopped and stars were beginning to appear in breaks in the clouds. Liberato found himself walking towards the cow sheds, which were some considerable distance from his house. But he felt there was something heavy and difficult about his movements. He proceeded slowly forwards, feeling himself, wait, what? Feeling himself, as it were, controlled by some inexplicable eternal force. That was in quotations there. Coming to the brook that cuts across the farm at this point, he stopped and watched his face. The time was now about half an hour past midnight. Just before reaching the cow sheds, he became aware of a vivid beam of light which lit up the sky and, instinctively, he threw himself down onto the ground. The light drew steadily closer. He tried to get up but his legs gave way under him. At last, he managed to crawl into some bushes and secrete himself in a hollow from which he hoped he could observe without being seen. There is some weird-ass language here. There is some weird-ass... I don't know if this is just the, the translation. Gordon Creighton, is this your translation just, like, shining here, bud? Because uh, this is weird. As Liberato described it later... Quote, everything seemed strange. At first, I thought I must be dreaming, but soon I realized that none of it was hallucination, but all real enough. A big luminous craft, shaped like a hen's egg, was slowly descending from the sky. 
vividly lighting up the whole area all around, and it changed the temperature. Because just previously, after the heavy rainstorm, it had been quite cool, and now suddenly it was like an inferno, an absolute unbearable heat, end quote. Terrified, he continued to watch as the strange craft touched down close by the cowsheds, its light now so vivid that it dazzled and blinded him. For a few seconds, there was a dead silence. Then came a heavy metallic noise as a small ladder appeared on the side of the craft and came down towards the ground. Liberato continued, quote, I was by now more scared than ever. I wanted to run for it, but that was impossible. I was simply nailed to the spot. However, I wanted to bolt. I simply couldn't do it. I tell you, I swear to God, my fear was so great that I couldn't move from the spot. At one point, I felt I was about to swoon, but then I felt a new access of strength and just sat there where I was. But I nearly let out a yell when I saw a number of people coming down out of the machine, carrying what looked like lights or torches in their hands. I recall very clearly how they looked. They were, as I calculated, less than one and a half meters in height. They were white-skinned with flattened faces, very high cheekbones, quite thick eyebrows, and round protruding eyes. I don't think they had either eyelids or eyelashes. There were also three women with long hair who came down out of the machine after the men. They all seemed very much impressed and were looking about them on all sides, end quote. Liberato seemed fatigued, as he described it all later to the magazine representative, and had to pause from time to time in his account. He looked pale and asked for a short respite so as to refresh himself. Brunhild brought him a glass of water. He drank half of it and then went on. Quote, I was still unable to move. I was terrified as I watched those little men and women and remained where I was. But then suddenly, one of them was there, right beside me. I tried to make a dash for it, but they caught me immediately. Those little folk were a lot more nimble than I am, or any of you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Don't you, don't you tell me that. Don't you tell me that. I'm nimble, you fucker. I'm nimble. Maybe not that nimble. But I don't know. I'm dangerous. They caught me by the hand, and it felt as though my hand was burning. Then, with a mighty effort and using my fists, I knocked at least four or five of them down. But they were too many for me, and my strength was soon exhausted. Then, suddenly, they seized hold of me in the area of the spinal column, and that was the end so far as any resistance by me was concerned. From then onwards, they had me completely under their control. I lost consciousness at that point, and when I came to my senses again, after I don't know how long a lapse of time, I found myself inside a room with extraordinary lights. My right arm felt very painful, and I could see on it, quite plainly, a mark, something like the mark left by the needle when you have an injection. I think they had taken blood from me, and a great deal of blood too, for I have been having fearful headaches ever since. As soon as I recovered consciousness, my whole body felt racked with dreadful pain, just as though they had given me a tremendous thrashing. 
But even greater was my astonishment when I found three of those women at my side giving me a sort of massage on the back and trying, so it appeared, to relieve my pain. When I felt them caressing me like this, I was astounded. But what amazed me most of all was that the women massaging me were completely naked in an inviting and provocative posture, clearly ready for anything. Oh, here we go. Holy fuck. We're getting into the goddamn danger zone. I admit I am very fond of women, but I swear to you that at that moment, I just didn't know what to do. I started to take a good, close look at her. She seemed very nice. Her breasts were well-formed and not very large. I attempted to kiss them, and she offered to watch <laughs> Okay, okay, we're in this, we're in this now. After that, everything was dead easy. She was completely naked, and so was I. Well, that's a new development. I went on kissing her from the breasts downwards, and I noticed that she had no navel. I became very excited and took her. She seemed absolutely insatiable, very, very ardent. She was extremely hairy. Her legs were very short. Seeing that she herself was so short, but her legs were very well made, all the same given her size. Her skin was very soft. Her hips were nice, very nice. I don't know how long I stayed with her, but when I had had enough and wanted to break it off and go home. She held me back. I felt just like a pinioned child, and my fear now began to be greater than ever before, even greater than at the outset. This woman, whom I had held in my arms a few seconds before, now emitted a series of noises like the barking of a dog, and she was answered with barks from other beings elsewhere in the craft. I was exhausted by now, but suddenly two more women made for me and gave me a strange yellowish stuff to drink, and this completely restored my vigor. How long a time had elapsed by then? I have absolutely no idea. The first woman had left me utterly exhausted, but the most amazing part of it was the drink they gave me, which restored me physically as though nothing had happened. I reckon the whole affair with the three of them must have lasted at least three hours. All I can remember now is that after I had had the first woman, everything went black around me, and then suddenly I felt the prick of the injection again. But this time, it was not in my right arm, but in my back, in the area where they had been caressing me so much. All right, so we need, we need a minute. We need a minute. I, I need some water here. I need some goddamn water here because this is this is getting intense. This is fucking getting intense. I did not expect this, but I appreciate this man's candor. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue on. I awoke again, finally, to find myself lying on the grass. Dawn was just breaking. With a vast difficulty, I managed to get to my feet and make a dash for home to tell my wife and family and, and finally my workmates all about what had happened to me. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's pump the goddamn brakes here for a second. You're walking into your house and you're going to tell your wife that you were involved in a three-hour alien romp. Wow. And this may not be the best advice, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in there and do that. 
But uh, uh, let's, let's continue. My mates armed themselves and went back to the spot where I had fallen into the hands of strange beings. But there was no body there. Nothing. Except just a vast silence. All there was to be seen at the spot was the marks left in the ground by the machine out of which those women came. Those women who, weird as they were, have left me with some disturbing memories. Every time I think about it, I get a ringing in the head. <laughs> I love this. Oh, I just love this. This is, this is so good. Uh, Brunhild speaks. Brunhild Aguirre, Liberato's wife, was described by the newspaper as of frail physique, decidedly unbenefiting for such a name. Wow. Holy fuck. That is cruel. And of a decidedly uncommunicating nature. She was, however, now said to be more peevish than ever. Question as to how she felt. She said, quote, well, I've got my reasons. I'm not jealous, but after all, who would like to have to do what my husband was forced to do? Oh, this is intense. I don't know why those bitches <laughs> should have picked on my husband, who up until now had never been unfaithful to me, though he's fond enough of the women. My husband means absolutely everything to me, and I can't do without him. As a matter of fact, on the night when it happened, I had noticed that he was already acting very strangely, and especially when he came back home from work and took off his shoes and laid down on the hammock. Because snoring. Snoring is the tip-off. Normally, he never snores, but that day he snored. And how? I never used to put faith in all that talk about men and women from other planets, but now I've got to believe it in view of what's what has happened to my husband. And there's another thing, too. I myself have seen a strange machine, just like my husband described it, flying about around here these last few days. Let's hope to God, anyway, that they don't come back again for Liberato, because if they did come back, I think it would just be the end of me, for they'd leave him completely sterile. How do you know that? We've already got some children, of course, but all the same, it would be a terrible state of affairs. As for me myself, well, I don't think I would be capable of doing what my husband did. I'd sooner be killed than subject myself like that to someone you don't even know. And from another planet, too. No, that wouldn't be decent. That would be too much. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, oh man. Oh man. What the owner of the farm thinks. The owner of the Vida Tranquila farm, a lawyer named Miguel Antonio Pina Vega, was gravely concerned when he heard the strange adventure related by his cowman and promptly arranged for him to be given a thorough medical examination by a doctor. Asked by the journalist to comment on the case, the lawyer spoke as follows, quote, I have around 20 hired hands on the farm, and Liberato is a man whom I consider to be totally trustworthy. He is a serious, hardworking fellow who drinks very little. He has no vices like narcotics or that sort of thing, 
and indeed he doesn't even smoke cigarettes. He reckons Liberato to be one of the most efficient of the workers on his farm. Quote, one of the best men I've ever had. I've never had any sort of trouble with him, nor do I expect to have any after the statements he had just made. But there is no doubt about it. It certainly does come as a shock to you when you hear a story like this. I was told about it that same morning when I went across to collect the day's milk. My first thought was that it must be some sort of sick joke, but later I was able to see that Liberato was clearly telling the truth, and I felt his story was even further confirmed when the doctor, by whom I had him examined, told me that the whole thing is quite possible and that Liberato is perfectly normal, so that any possibility that he might be suffering from some sort of hallucination is absolutely ruled out. The doctor's findings. The local doctor, Dr. Manuel Villanova Amaris, was one of the few people who do not find the cowman's story in any way astonishing. He carried out a medical checkup on Liberato at the request of the owner of the farm, Serpina Vega. His statement as given in the press account, is as follows. I want to remind you all, this was printed in a Colombian magazine. Quote, nothing in the man's story surprises me in the least. I myself have had the opportunity to read a whole lot of descriptions lately given by perfectly serious folk. For example, one of them was an Argentinian doctor regarding the presence of extraterrestrial beings among us and I have also seen many further cases described in the newspapers and in magazines and journals. As regards the examination which I made of Liberato, everything that I've found bears out his story, inasmuch as he is in perfectly normal health. His neurological condition and his responses, as well as all the tests I carried out on him, have yielded entirely satisfactory results. Dr. Villanova emphasized that he finds the cowman story in no way improbable and went on, quote, I certainly am not one of those who will criticize him. These are questions that we have got to think about very carefully, and they must be the subject of profound study, inasmuch as mankind has, in fact, been attempting to ascertain whether or not there are living beings on other planets, and there has been abundant evidence that this is so as we can see from these many cases which are now becoming everyday happenings proving that such beings do indeed exist and that they have been coming here and visiting us i personally would like very much to have such an experience as the peasant liberato has had <laughs> but when you want it it doesn't happen to you that's the secret. You can't want this shit. You can think about it, but you can't want it. Okay. Thanks, Doc. A great pity. It could be a really nice experience. Oh, fuck. Okay. That is the end of the extract from the Columbian magazine. For those who will get excited about such things, the similarities between this case and that of Antonio Villasboas are numerous and striking enough. For example, the general description of the shape of the craft, the metal ladder let down, the size of the entities, their white skin, their high cheekbones, their barking speech, their taking of blood from their victim, and the bright illumination within the UFO. 
However, there are also dissimilarities. Thus, the women here described are said to have protruding eyes and to be very hairy. Whereas AVB said that his little piece of homework had slit eyes, which were blue, and his account shows that she was certainly not her suit. In any case, many of the more thoughtful students of our subject are nowadays beginning to realize that all our ideas about the existence of a whole plethora of different types of UFO creatures are probably fanciful and nonsensical. It is highly likely that nobody of our species is yet in a position to say for sure what any of these creatures of the demon kingdoms really look like. Whoa! Whoa! Demon kingdoms? Let's tone it down there, Creighton. Those who have read the account, FSR, Volume 21, Number 2, of the investigation of Peter, the young man whose car was seemingly teleported by a UFO in 1974 over part of the route from Rhodesia to South Africa, will recall the replies that Peter gave when he was asked, under hypnosis, what the entities look like. Remember, Peter was in a very deep trance. Quote, they looked how I wanted them to look. They looked like a duck. Then it looked like a duck. If it looked like a monster, then it looked like a monster. End quote. It is already widely realized that the endless cataloging of lights in the sky, and maybe even of UFOs on the ground, is in all probability totally useless. And if this revelation by Peter is correct then it looks as though we are also wasting our time utterly when we make our frantic attempts to compile lists of various differing categories of UFO entities. I regret to have to admit that probably nobody has spent more time on this sort of exercise than myself. For it is still very possible that only one kind of creature is responsible for the whole gamut of parapsychological and paraphysical phenomena which we at present choose arbitrarily to pigeonhole in separate compartments with neat labels like ufology and spiritualism and fairy lore, etc., etc. Our good cowman assumed, of course, that he was being entertained by extraterrestrial ladies, because this idea of extraterrestrial visitors and space travel and the like is the latest fashionable gimmick, almost certainly fed into the human mind by these creatures themselves who are evidently past masters at leading us by the nose. For myself, I can only say I see nothing whatsoever in the cowman story that proves, or indeed that even suggests, that his lascivious little playmates hailed from the Pleiades or from Christofix or from points beyond. I suggest that what we have here is simply one more manifestation of the activities of a demonic population which shares this planet with us, and possibly always has. Here we go with the fucking demon shaming here, bro. It ain't fucking demons, so let's just let's just chill out. Hints of precisely similar experiences may be found running right through the whole vast literature of fairy lore, in which tales of fairy lovers abound. See for handy reference Dr. Jacques Belay's Excellent introduction to these ideas, Passport to Magonia, which is an absolute fucking baller book that if you haven't read it, you should totally read it. 
Where I think that accounts such as those of AVB and of the Cowman are admittedly rather different from the conventional fairy lover tales of the past is in their very much greater frankness as regards the details. I suspect that many of our older tales of fairy lovers would also have been a lot more explicit had they been gathered and published in what is so quaintly described as a permissive age, like the present, instead of in the more prudish times of, say, the 19th century, when so much of the fairy lore was issued in published form. One final point. Someone is bound to come up at once with the neat and sensible explanation that our Colombian cowman simply made it all up, having already read the AVB story. This I do not believe for one moment. In the first place, South America is vast, and it is a mighty far cry from AVB's home village in southwest Brazil of the cowman's home near Panama and the Gulf of Darien. While we do know that the AVB story actually appeared in Spanish earlier than in Portuguese, namely in an Argentinian edition of a Brazilian magazine, we do not know that it was ever published in Colombia. While Argentina and Colombia both have Spanish as their languages, they live at opposite ends of the enormous South American continent. In the second place, the magazine article about the Colombian cowman is illustrated with six or seven photographs which show the cowman and his wife and children, which I'm sad that they were not included in this issue of Flying Saucer Review. I want to see what this dude looks like. I want to see how pissed his wife looks like whenever she's like looking at him. These photographs indicate that they are very poor, underprivileged sort of folk dwelling in quite primitive conditions. Like, okay, let's, let's tone it down here, Gordon Creighton. Don't be putting down the poor man. We are not told whether Liberato is literate or not, but on the basis of my knowledge of South America, I would be prepared to bet that, unlike AVB, who had a little schooling and was attending night classes in literacy, the cowman may well be totally illiterate, and his humble home may well not contain a single book. So every time Gorton Creighton in Flying Saucer Review passes judgment on a culture that he seems below him, he will say things like, all oh, these people are illiterate. These people don't know shit. These people are like AVB, for instance, Antonio Villas-Boas is who he's you know, referring to in this case. Antonio Villas-Boas was taking night classes, not just to become literate. Okay. The guy read books. He was taking these classes because he was interested in becoming a lawyer. And that's what he did. He moved away from the farm years later, I think closer to his 30s. He was 23 at the time that he was abducted in 57. And he was a uh, lawyer for a long ass time. I, uh, he was a small business owner too. So uh, I kind of fucking hate Gordon Creighton sometimes because he's very demeaning. He's like old school racist. So Fuck Gordon Creighton, and fuck that bottle cap that just fell. God damn. But I'm glad that we were able to fucking do this live because that is one of the most baller fucking accounts I have I have ever read. I am so glad that I bought this now. <laughs> so fucking great. Holy shit. This, this has been fun, folks. Um, if you enjoy 
tuning into these. I will continue to do it. I'll continue to find these goddamn stories because they seem to all be coming from like South America and stuff. And and that was the last time that I did this, which, you know, maybe I'll release it as a bonus episode on Patreon or something. But the interesting thing is, is that these accounts seem to continue to come from South America. And what is it about South America that, uh, I mean, AVB talked about how he thought he was um, for improving the stock, you know, he, he's just a good stallion, which is still kind of funny. It's still it's still kind of funny to to fucking say that even now. Uh, the the interesting thing was, and 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 I'll tell you, I didn't cover this on the episode that I did, the AVB episodes, which is uh, episode five, uh, the analog abduction. If you're if you're looking for that one, after she denied doing, she didn't want to do the boom boom anymore. She denied him. He got upset and then he started to fucking alien shamer. And it's like, dude, no, you, you, you fully engaged. What? She doesn't want you a third time. So now you're going to be like an asshole like that. Let's, let's just calm down here. But these are the shit. I, I love stumbling upon shit like this. So until next time, don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies. And you never know if you'll be let outside for an alien sex drive. In these aliens we trust? <laughs> <laughs>